0: Ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between, welcome back to Thirsty Work, the all new sex education podcast that delves into some interesting dynamics and questions, especially around hedonism. Tonight, my guest is the glorious One True Cripple. Ooh, that's Thirsty Work. Well, hello there, you spectacular specimens of humankind. It is I, Valen well Vane, hosting this wonderful, now, episode eight, episode eight of uh, the Thirsty Work podcast, the all-new Home of Hedonism, the sex education podcast that we've been rolling out. And today, I'm really excited. Today I'm really excited because um, our guest today is uh, a member of the community. Like, a lot of the pre- other guests that we've had have been, like um content creators from different walks of life and what have you um but this specific guest our wonderful friend one true cripple um was a member of the community and they were one of the people that approached me and was like hey you should definitely do an advert uh do a-, do a podcast on um on sex and disability and stuff like that so without any th- further ado i will bring in the glorious one true cripple how's it going you beautiful individual hey valon how's it going I'm very good, very good. How are you doing? All good.
1: I'm doing all right, enjoying the rest of my Sunday.
0: I am glad to hear it. I'm glad. I'm very. And
1: I get to hang out with you guys. <laughs>
0: exactly, it's great, isn't it? It's great. Um, before we go into it though, uh, would you like to tell people who you are and what kind of thing you do, um, so that people can get people that don't know you, um, can get a little little taster about what you're about, you know?
1: So for those who don't know me, I am the one true cripple. Thou shalt not have cripples before me. <laughs> Um, I have, I am a lifelong disabled person, I am in my mid-40s, um, I live in the United States, single, uh, bisexual, polyamorous guy, and I do my own thing, I write, I work, I drive everywhere, and I'm a huge gamer and nerd, so.
0: Yeah, which is, which is amazing, you also, um, or you've got a, an online website, do you want to talk about that?
1: I do. I actually write for an, a website called popcultureuncovered.com. Uh, we do everything from movies to TV, music, podcasts, uh, gaming, conventions, cosplay, you name it, we do it. Um, a lot of stuff is focused on minority creators and minority, uh, yeah, minority creators, POC, disabled people, you know.
0: Which, if is, great, which is great. We're representative. We're there. I mean, we were talking earlier about the fact that like, there's a lot of things that you don't realize that you don't see until it's put in your face, basically, which is, I suppose, this is what this is all about. Where it's been put in my face that I need to learn more about um, people with physical disabilities and what's going on there, and I am now doing that to all of our wonderful viewers and listeners because um, I, think it's, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful that, that there's scenarios like this where we can just delve in and explore realms that we might not have couldn't might not even considered beforehand you know indeed indeed so in regards to like like do you want to tell everyone about your your personal disability in regards sure. to what you have um and then yeah. we'll delve into the rest of the million questions that i have you know
1: <laughs> so my main disability i have a uh, what's called a neural tube defect uh, called spina bifida It is the most common, permanently disabling neural tube defect in the world. Happens in about one in every 7,000 births. And it affects things like um, tissue growth, sensation, uh, muscle function, nerve function. And mine is typically affected from about the middle of my thighs down. So I use a wheelchair full time.
0: Okay, okay. And you were, like I said before, you were the person that genuinely approached me when I was first debating ever doing a podcast. And you were, I was like, hey, anyone, you got any topics of conversation you would genuinely like to see me explore? And you were like, yes, yes, yes I have this. This this needs to be talked about. I would love this. And then you were very kindly offered to, to be the guest as well, which I was just like, yeah, I mean, let's get on board. That it took me a while to get back to you about it. But we got there in the That's end, you know, we got there in the end. Because this is. It's not this, like you don't know how to reach me. It's very true, it's very true. But this is like the, the ongoing, and I think one of the big things that is, is kind of like ingrained into society or into our brains is the idea that disabled people are not sexual beings.
1: So it, it's, it's a long running stigma that disabled people are completely asexual. And one of the things that got me started on kind of trying to counter that was I saw an amazing, amazing Spanish language documentary um, I don't know, years and years ago. Uh, I don't know if I can curse on here, but it's called Yes, yes We Fuck.
0: I'm all about <laughs> cursing. You know what I'm like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the documentary is called Yes We Fuck. It is, as far as I know, only found online and only in Spanish language. But if you can find it and get someone to translate it for you, if you don't speak Spanish, it's absolutely brilliant and always recommend to watch.
0: Okay. Yes, we fuck. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because this is the thing is, it, it literally comes down to the fact that people don't consider it. And I remember watching, Jesus, I don't even remember what it was called now. It was some sex education show like 15 years ago. And there was a um, a, a couple on there who were talking about their sex life. And the fact that there are certain things that um, I know that the, the gent couldn't feel anything from the waist down. But they were like, there are medical aids that we can get around this. And he was like, I find, yes, I don't have any sensation from the waist down, but that sensation has been diverted uh, to other parts of my body, which I thought was really exciting.
1: And there is actually a term for that.
0: Uh, Oh, really? In
1: in men, it's known as a surrogate penis.
0: Okay, okay. It's,
1: for some reason, because the human nervous system is strange, Uh to say the least. So, if a person becomes disabled or is born disabled where they have that lack of sensation or function the brain will di- will like divert the pleasure centers to other parts of their body for example uh, i know of uh, an old associate of mine whose brain diverted it to his thumb
0: his thumb
1: his thumb but a very so,
0: sensitive thumb
1: indeed so his his well that at that time girlfriend i think they're subsequently married but uh she would be talking to his you know, talking to him and stroking his thumb and that would help him.
0: That oh, would do I a lot love for her. I love that. Because I've I've definitely become more and more aware of the fact that the more I dig into like sex education and, and bits and pieces, the more that I come across things like like the nipple gasm. The fact that somebody can have a full orgasm through the nipple. And then somebody was telling me about skin gasms and like foot and and the fact that you there are because of the way that these people's brains are are set up with, uh, and the way their nervous system works and what have you, they can get extremely um, sensitive levels of of pleasure through different parts of the body, which I I mean, Mm -hmm. I just got excited. I might have squealed a little bit. I was like, oh my God, so many (laughs) new realms, new realms of pleasure to explore, you know? Um, Indeed. so so you were born with your disability and Yes. That like yes. obviously there's there's gonna be differences there with people that um are born with it and then obviously people that, that get it later on in life, whether it be through a disease or an accident or what have you. Um Right. And you were telling me about your like um education in regards to how you like where, like how your schooling st- system worked.
1: Yes. So when I was in high school, um, I was in a school where it was kind of built around a physical disabilities center or pod, if you will, mm-hmm. and they would take you know the majority of the disabled students around the county and bring them to that school. So we had you know the, the various levels of different support that uh-huh. one could get, be that physical therapy, extra counseling, extra assistance, that sort of thing. But at that point, we got together a few of the other seniors and myself, and we would go around to different classes, didn't matter what the subject matter was, and we would talk about our disabilities for a day. You know, we'd, we'd make appearance at, appearances at various classes throughout the day, and, you know, do like a Q&A thing, a little panel discussion and a and A. I
0: I love that, I love that. And, and And I suppose that's really helpful in the regards that you are surrounded by people that are your peers on more than one level. In the fact that they get yes. what it must be like to to live and work and grow up with a variety of different disabilities, because it, it's one of those things that, as a as a um, someone without any disabilities, like I will always be able to empathise, but I will never be able to understand. And I know that one of the big things that that's really come through, especially with my time on. Um, like being a streamer and being a content creator is the the realization and the more emphasis around the idea that it's not somebody's disability that makes them disabled, it's society.
1: So there, there are actually two models of disability. One is the okay. societal model, which is the one that you've kind of mentioned. It's where we view the world as, you know, it's the obstructions to accessibility that make a person disabled.
0: Yeah, so not and putting in a that's ramp. That's
1: always been the one that I follow.
0: Yeah. What's the other one, out of interest?
1: I don't remember what the other one is called off the top of my head because I've spent so much time in the societal model. <laughs>
0: which is fair, which is fair, and you know, that that's, that's okay. Um, I am going to take a, a quick interjection because I completely forgot at the beginning of my big introduction. Uh, people are watching this live on Twitch. You can actually uh, use your channel points to request uh, to ask questions, which we will all answer at the end of the show, like the last five ten minutes of the show. Um, I'll pick a whole load of the questions. So if you do have any questions, by all means throw them out. Okay. So, in regards to like your growing up and education, you said you were in this this pod of um, of uh, people with physical disabilities that had that support network of not only mm. your peers but any excuse me any um, physiotherapy or um, counselling or or therapy and stuff that you needed that was there for you. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, what was sex ed like in that dynamic?
1: So this is back, you know, in the early to mid-90s, and Mm -hmm. there's zero mention of disabilities when it comes to, like, public school sex ed. None.
0: I mean, there's barely so, any mention of anything when it comes well, that, to public school fair. sex that is,
1: that is quite fair. Um, but I actually didn't learn a lot about the tools and things available to us until I was probably in my early 20s.
0: Okay. And was that through, like, self-exploration, or was it something you were yes. quite open with, well, with friends and stuff?
1: It was a lot of self-exploration and... Um, Talking with counselors, therapists, uh, my own doctors, whom I've had a team of my entire life, mm-hmm. just due to the various things that can go on with a person with my disability.
0: Yeah. So, and that that's really interesting, though. Like, and okay, so from that perspective, where were, were there ever points where you felt again like that whole societal model of of um uh disability being how people make how society makes things less accessible for you was there a similar sort of thing in regards to the sex side of things and the education around that but also the way that um you were perceived so
1: i mean always that's just going to be a thing where people who don't know that you know, people with disabilities, disabled folks are sexual beings, it's in my experience will almost automatically kind of default to they are asexual. We are, you know, asexual, we don't have sex. It's just, it's ridiculous. So it kind of, this sounds really strange, but it, it kind of took on, I took on more of the responsibility of initiating things like flirting. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of leads into questions and discussion. As long as the person is open minded, you know.
0: And did you we've find we've that... had a lot of
1: discussions about it? And it's great.
0: Did Did you find that there was, like, with with the understanding that society has this preconception of of disabled people being completely asexual? Um, and for the people that might be new to the term uh, asexuality is a spectrum in itself but it's to do with not having a specific sex drive Um, uh, like you've got like your demisexuality where it's to do with emotional connection with people some people are fully sexually repulsed some people enjoy sex but they don't have the the lust when they see somebody specifically they're just like they don't have that but they still enjoy sex themselves there's an entire spectrum on that and we've done another episode on that which was great um but have you discovered, like, that when you've flirted with people, when you've initiated the conversation and the potential of getting to that cheeky uh, bedroom antics time, um, that people have been surprised, shocked? Like, that. that or, or was it always just that, like, a, there you I go. I don't know
1: that any of my partners or potential partners <laughs> have been surprised or shocked. However, th- I I did have a very funny moment um several years into my former marriage okay um (laughs) my ex-wife and i were hanging out at her at her grandparents house and someone pulled my grandmother-in-law aside and was like you know they've been married for a while yes do they have sex and my grandmother my ex grandmother-in-law being the very blunt southern black woman that she was turned directly to the woman's face and says well i don't think she'd be with him if they weren't
0: <laughs> and i lost it i, I lost that. it
1: i nearly almost fell over laughing
0: i love that i love that like just ah uh, just the 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 bluntness of it the come on now th- this is a ridiculous question because it is yeah. a ridiculous question when you think about it like i mean i literally just said shocked and surprised and i was thinking in my brain like this is preposterous but I'm asking right. it because a lot of people will question it. Do you know what I mean? Sure. You know it does
1: happen, and I mean, then there's also a flip side to that, though, that mm-hmm. is, ends up on another extreme, where people with disabilities get fetishized.
0: This is and something called, I also want to talk devoteeism. about. It's called devoteeism. Oh, okay, devoteeism.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I personally don't understand it, but. You know, it's it's not my bag.
0: And it's in regards to the fact that people are just like, oh well, I've never been with a disabled person before, so it, it they they get the lusts for it like it's a notch on the bedpost type thing, or it are we talking like be? full? I only want to get with disabled people.
1: I have actually met a couple of people throughout my life that are full on fetishists for disabled people.
0: I love that. I, and and I love that in uh, and an obviously like consensual everyone's involved oh, on the sure. same level um yeah. but i'm sure that there are definitely situations where that isn't the case um and uh, yeah you know um and the, i think the other thing that that comes down to there and it's something that has to be like brought up especially in a conversation around uh, sex and physical disabilities is the extra level of prejudice and potential threat that goes with it that it is it can't be any other way other than intimidating
1: well there is actually that extra level of of threat yes in fact um a good percentage of SA survivors Mm -hmm. are disabled folks both men and women
0: and and non-binary individuals as well being as, as as in like encompassing as possible but it's 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 got to be said, it's got to be brought up, it's got to be talked about. Um, the fact that there are definitely people that will... I mean, predatory people will be predators, regardless of who mm-hmm. it is and what have you. But in regards to the actual like statistics and stuff, it's something that needs to be looked into. And I think it's also something that often doesn't get looked into because of the fact that people don't see... Um, disabled people as sexual as you as you talked about earlier they were like oh well no one would ever do that because why, why would they have sex with somebody who's disabled god hev- heaven forfend that you know disabled people actually enjoy things god, good good god you know <laughs> i know how dare we enjoy our lives <laughs> i love that but it's it's yeah it's a it's a thing yeah like, i'm gonna i'm gonna steer away from that a little bit but um i think it was definitely a point that needed to be brought up um so in regards to like people not seeing okay hold on let's talk about your um ex-wife how did you and your ex-wife meet
1: so officially we met at a club that's not entirely accurate uh we actually met in the backseat of a friend's car on the way to an after club party
0: <laughs> okay all right i see. so
1: and then, you know, we spent a couple other weekends at the clubs just kind of hanging out, talking. And one night she drove me home and mm-hmm. crashed at my place, and the rest was history.
0: I love that. I love that. But And we were together
1: for, I think, a total of like 15 and a half years. Yeah. Married for seven. That's great.
0: That's fantastic. And and But the, did you find that being with somebody, especially for such a, a long period of time, there were awkward questions around you two?
1: So, yes, but not for the reasons that you might think. Um, my ex-wife worked in the medical field, so she was constantly in scrubs during the day. And I was at work one day and she came to pick me up because my car was in the shop. And one of my coworkers comes to me and says, Doug, your nurse is here to pick you up. It's not my nurse. Oh
0: my God. (laughs) Oh my God. No. Yep. No. Yep, and it happened more
1: than once too at different areas. You know.
0: Uh, well, th- and- this is this is the thing. Like, like there's definitely, and I've seen it, and I've challenged it, especially now that I'm more aware of it. Um, where you'll see a couple of uh, a couple, and somebody will be in a wheelchair, and the other person's pushing them around. They're having a good chat. They're having a laugh. They're obviously um having a good time together. Regardless of what their relationship dynamic might be, and people are like, "Oh, isn't it great that they've got carers?" I'm like, "What? What? Why are you automatically assuming that that person is their carer? Like, right. they, they could just be friends. They could be lovers. They could be like, it could be a carer. It's entirely true. But at the end of the day, that's that's not where your mind should automatically jump."
1: And and that is the one of, one of the cruxes of the perception of people disabilities is a lot of times we are either infantilized or we're completely ignored when it comes to things like that
0: and and yeah and and it's not explored it's not something that is explored um have you found in regards to like like some of the more intimate questions have you found any problems in regards to your disability that you have come up with. I suppose this is the other thing that we've got to remember. When it comes to people with uh, disabilities like yourself, who have had it since, like, birth, pretty much, there's always going to be that scenario where, like, you don't know any different. So it's not something that crops up, I suppose, you know?
1: I mean, there's always... <sighs> well, I don't want to say always. Most of the time, there is a level of... Awkwardness when it comes to those conversations. Yeah. You know, I have to hope that, you know, the things that I say aren't going to push somebody away. And I, I would think that, you know, if they, if they ask me something, I'm not going to get offended. Yeah. If you ask me something in good conscience and in good faith, I'm not going to get offended. It's yeah. very difficult to offend me.
0: I, I, but is that a thick skin that's grown up because of the fact, yes. because of the upbringing that you've had? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. So it... I mean, we all know that kids are cruel. Yes. So growing up as you know the crippled kid, I got picked on. I was bullied mercilessly as a kid, and then you know, both verbally and physically. And then over time, you just have to develop a thicker skin. And I've learned to respond with snark and comedy, and it usually works.
0: Yeah, right. Comedy is a fantastic way of dealing with a lot of things. I I frequently do the same. Uh, in regards to dealing with any kind of uh, bullies or or what have you um so it's uh, then exploring on that is, is there scenarios is it a point where you do have to sit down and have conversations with somebody i mean this is something that should be normalized full stop anyway having com- healthy communication between people that are getting intimate with each other what are the chances dear lord but in regards to like your situation personally is it a situation sure. where you're like? Do you know what? Hey, before we go any further, there's a few things we we should probably talk about.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, for example, um, I can't bend my knees past just under 90 degrees, okay, due to an excessive amount of surgery that I've had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so certain positions are completely off the table. Yeah. Um, there are other things, you know. I have a blown out shoulder from an old injury that so. You know a lot of activity with one arm is kind of iffy sometimes yeah um there are times when my body just doesn't want to work the way i want it to work and it seems almost random
0: so but the the uh, thing that the thing that needs to be said there is the fact that that like a lot of people will be listening to this and being like oh yeah i can see that because you're a disabled person but the fact of the matter is that happens to everybody like there's definitely times oh for sure there's definitely times when when you're getting close and intimate with somebody and your body's just going by the way i'm not going to do what you think i want you to do and, and and you know and and it's so mad to to see how people will just be like oh yeah well this makes sense because this person is disabled and it's like well actually if you think about it a little bit broader no it isn't like this is the same as everybody else but you're, in your brain you're manufacturing it out as oh well they're disabled so naturally this makes sense and it's like okay.
1: right it's a level of rationalization that yeah doesn't need to take place
0: yeah exactly it, absolutely um okay so so when you were growing up and because as you said like sex education sex education has been pretty poor um with with our upbringings you know um but also like you say, there's been never there's never been any sex education around uh people with disabilities before, or not to my knowledge anyway. Um in you mind. <laughs> oh, there you go. And and did you find like what was it like getting to the point where you were having those conversations? Like the first people you were getting with and you were like, Okay, how the hell do I go about this? <laughs> like this is Extraordinarily a conversation awkward. Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think the first few times, the first few partners that I had, there wasn't a lot of conversation, and that was mostly my fault because I didn't initiate things. Rather, I always tried to make sure that I was 100% prepared for any eventuality, Yeah, and I used to hide things a lot as well.
0: Well, self-consciousness comes to the best of us, do you know what I mean? Like being super self-conscious, and there's definitely points where you're like, I don't want to say anything because yeah. I don't want them to look at me in a certain way.
1: Right. And so, I mean, I, I think it actually took until... God, probably till I met my ex-wife before I became completely comfortable with, you know, addressing these things with partners.
0: And did and that thought, just get easier? Like, oh, with, with you having, like, a long-term relationship with your ex-wife? Was, hmm. was there points where you just like knew each other and you just you didn't have to oh, sure was, there was no points that and you're just like do you know what this is what works this is what's great this is fantastic we love this stuff you know
1: oh sure but i mean throughout our relationship there was various levels of exploration
0: and that's when every yeah. every healthy relationship should have various levels in my personal opinion oh,
1: so i so agree with that yes
0: oh exploration but, is um, the greatest yes there
1: as a as a basis though, we we knew each other yeah. after
0: a time, which is great because the, uh, the other thing is that it's it's that emotional connection of yes. of just being like I'm with somebody that I completely trust, and things will fuck up and things will go wrong and they always do regardless of how well you prepare for things. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. And I, and I know full well that I can think, I'm like, ah, I'm an atmosphere person. I have made all of these, put the candles on, the romantic music in the background. Oh, shit, I've got cramp. Do you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> there's, there's no way around that. Um, there's always happens.
1: going to be something that could crop up, yes. Oh,
0: every time. Every single time. Has there ever been, a, like, a hilarious situation that you've been in where you're just like, oh, my fucking God. Like, this. Yes. going to be yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Um... So I mentioned the blown out shoulder and, uh, my weakened back because I sit constantly. My lower back is, you know, a bit weak after 16 hours of doing things. Yeah. And then one night, uh, again, when I was married, I, my ex-wife and I started getting romantic and, you know, things started happening in the bedroom and it's going on. And I dropped her off the side of the bed. Like, my, my entire back just went, nope. And I dropped her. Oh,
0: no. <laughs>
1: Thankfully, it was on a carpeted floor and, you know, this re- relatively plush carpet. And so we had a good laugh about it after making sure that each other was okay physically. Yeah. Nothing was broken. Okay. Are you okay? I'm okay. We're good. We lost. It. We just fell out laughing for the next 20 minutes.
0: Of course. What what else do you do? Like, in that scenario, that's amazing. That is just like, oh, shit. Well, uh, what do we do but laugh? <laughs> it was It's hilarious when yeah. you think about it, you know? Oh, I love that. I love that. I love situations like that. And this is definitely something that, that a lot of people don't explore uh, in regards to, like, sexuality and stuff is just the ability to let go of, of any kind of seriousness. It can be mm-hmm. the most beautiful, the most intimate, the most heartfelt moment but at the end of the day it's like sex is always a little bit ridiculous like always a little bit ridiculous you know
1: yeah it's messy we make weird faces make weird sounds yeah Yeah, exactly it's going (laughs) to be amusing it's hilarious
0: fucking love it absolutely fucking love it have you found like in regards to your own as you said you you need a lot of exploration as it were um were there specific things that you found that you were just like oh my god we need to try this we need to like the like whether it be sex swings or certain toys or things that like were a little bit outside of what you initially perceive as Yeah, there we go. That like that like acceptable. I say acceptable, uh you know.
1: So I mean, I hate using this term, but you know, going into things growing up as, you know, a teenage man. Yeah. I was relatively I was vanilla. I hate using that term, but I was. Yeah, but I mean... um, you know, as you as I got older, and I started branching out my friend circles, and then when I was married, we moved into things like you know BDSM, Mm-hmm. and um, that's during my during my marriage was also about the time that I realized that I'm kind of like wired poly, if you, if that makes any sense.
0: In in what way?
1: I'm like I feel like I'm wired to be poly. Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. As in, like, yeah, it just, like, is the, your natural state of being is polyamory. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: And then, um, let's see, I discovered my bisexuality in high school. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just, again, again, it's trial and error, especially for those times when your body goes, nope,
0: (laughs) And, and bodies do. Bodies are fucking weird. Like, at the best of times, they're just fucking weird. Okay, in regards to that, then, I'm going to pull straight onto the fucking BDSM side of things. Um, because, naturally, I have to. Um, this, this is where this my is brain you, goes. Alan. Yeah, it is. It is me. Did you, like, go to, like, events and stuff? Or was it very much like a yes. victim type thing? Yes. In
1: fact, I have uh, an old friend of mine kind of runs, or helps run one of the events near me.
0: All right, and okay. He got,
1: he got me invited there once or twice. And uh, my ex-wife was a musician, so we played at another uh, friend's club who actually was an anthropologist, and he started the club as his thesis. <laughs> okay. So, and it, it, was, it was a bondage club, and it was fantastic. And he just kept <laughs> it going.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, I, I need a group of people to study. I know. I'll make, a, I'll make a club. Let's go for it. Right. Let's do it. You know? That's amazing. That's absolutely hilarious did you ever get like okay so in regard i don't know how open you were with um like the bdsm side of things and are you to me you seem like a very very open person but i also oh, understand yeah. that open people have not always been open there was definitely all of us at some point oh, would, no! There you've was, always been just a really open was, person
1: yeah well there was a time up until i would say probably about my mid-20s right i was very quiet about it mm-hmm. very quiet about it And only, like, my closest partners knew, my closest friends.
0: Okay. So. Was there ever a situation where... assumptions were made because of the fact you were disabled? Within, like, the BDSM context? Because I think there is always... And the angle I'm going for here, to to make it clear, is the fact that I am very, very aware that there is a preconception... With a lot of people with disabilities, that they can be taken advantage of, yes. or they they can be they're, they're more vulnerable, um, in what in some ways shapes of forms, and in some ways shapes of forms there, there are vulnerabilities there. But at the end of the day, like it's not like like you say it. It's not like you can't make your own decisions. It's not like you can't make your own choices. You're 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 still a fucking human being. That is perfectly capable of doing everything, everything else, everyone else does on on that level, do you know. But pretty much, th- there are preconceptions there of of being like, oh, well, they're disabled. Well, yeah, that doesn't mean they're like they're not able to make their own fucking decisions, you know.
1: Yeah, and in the in the along the BDSM lines, there I think there was always a, or most of the time always there was always a. Uh, kind of a a prejudgmental belief that I was a fragile person. Okay. Because I'm a wheelchair user, because, you know, yeah, forbid we hurt him or break him. (laughs) I have gone through more surgery than most people will see in two lifetimes. So I have a very high pain tolerance and I actually learned to kind of focus on different types of pain, if you will. Yeah. Like, I, I can tell the difference in my own body between muscular pain, bone pain, nerve pain, and what have you. But it's also lent itself to me finding the pleasure in certain types of pain.
0: Yeah. And, and there's so, there are many studies on it in regards yeah. to the, the endorphin rush, um, the way that the adrenaline kicks in. Like, mm-hmm. the, there's so much. People, I mean, a, a classic version that a lot of people that might not be into, like, the BDSM, the fetish communities will be possibly more aware of is like tattoos people get tattoos and then they get super addicted to getting tattoos and the reason why is because you're sat there and you're receiving pain and the adrenaline's flooding your body but you don't have it like you're not doing anything you're not there's no flight response do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so you just feel that rush of adrenaline and you're like yeah okay i mean it it hurt like a motherfucker like do this again but let's go like when can i get my next one let's let's do it you know but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really and now interesting. I want more ink. And and so you had that. You had situations like that where people were just like, "Oh well." Oh, sure. but to take I it wanna, easy. I don't want to hit
1: you too hard. I don't want to. I don't want to flog you too hard. Really, really. Plus, I'm not a small man. Yeah. You know? If I didn't have nerve damage, I'd be over six feet tall. Um, and I'm, I'm a big guy. <laughs> yeah. Those who know me in the meatbag world have seen me. I can take care of myself. I know my own limits. Yeah. I like to push them sometimes, but you know.
0: Naturally, don't naturally. Walk. No, of course, of course. Um, okay, one of the things that I did wanna broach the topic of um, is something, a situation that I had uh, in my university days, all those many, many moons ago, where have you found in your experience where people have used their disability as a kind of get out of jail free card, and the reason why I ask to, to put not into really? not really that which is great, which is great. The reason why I ask is because there was definitely a guy in university when I was in uni. Um, there was a guy in a motorized um, wheelchair. Um, seemed like an all right dude from what I from what I um, spoke to him um, initially. But after a few drinks, he would definitely, definitely like wheel his way around the, the students' union and pinch girls' bums. And they'd turn around and they'd be like, uh, what are you doing? Oh, oh, it's okay. It's all right. Oh, you did," And like completely using that, that, that perception of disabled people being um, vulnerable to get away with other bits and pieces. And... I mean, it's one See, of those things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. But I'm like, let's talk about everything. Do you know?
1: I have no tolerance for people who do that. It's Love regardless it. of who you are, it's a dick move.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Don't do it. But it was. It, don't it,
1: it, be a predatorial shit.
0: And it, and it was it was really interesting because I don't like I I don't care like you, if you're a dick you're a dick. It doesn't make a difference who you are doesn't make a difference what is going on. If you're if you're a dick you're a dick. So I called this guy out on it because um my girlfriend at the time, he grabbed her bum. She was like, What are you do oh okay and I was like, Oi, no, don't don't fucking do that, that's not okay. The fuck is wrong with you. Um and I got grief but because a load of the people that were around were like, Why are you picking on this disabled guy? And I'm like, Because he's being a dick. I'm not picking on him because he's disabled, I'm picking on him because he's being a dick. Like, the, right. like, there's no it's middle ground here. It,
1: it's not about who he is as a disabled person. Yeah, exactly. It's about his actions.
0: Yeah, exactly. 110%. Oh, I love it. <laughs> like, like looking back, like, because for a really long period of time, I, I looked back on that and I was like, was I, was I in the wrong here? Was I the person that was, was I just being mean to a disabled person? I'm like, do you know what? No, I wasn't. I was no. treating that person in exactly the same way I treat anybody else who went around grabbing people's asses. Like it's not okay. That's not okay behavior. You don't get, uh, get out of jail free because you've got a disability. Do you know? It's right. it's it's a it's, it's an playing the
1: sympathy one. card to a degree. It doesn't need to go to.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and the other thing is, it then paints uh, people with disabilities in a bad light because it does. people go, it really oh does. well, they're abusing the system. They're abusing the things, and it's just like no, no one person is. Like don't don't paint everybody with the same brush. goddammit. it! People are people. They're allowed to make their own actions. Judge them for their individual actions, not on everything else. You know. Um. Oh, that was my, that was my little rant. That was my little rant. That <laughs> was like twenty years old, and I was like, God damn it! We're gonna talk about this. <laughs> oh, no, Jesus. I mean,
1: I I haven't uh, come across that at least in my circles, but I do know it does happen.
0: Yeah. And um,
1: and it yeah
0: it's a low blow it is a it low blow. Really is it is a low blow and and it's like i said I, I i like one of the big things about this podcast that i want to do is it's talk about the things that a lot of people won't it will be apprehensive about talking about which is the reason why before we had the podcast i was like is there anything you don't want to talk about is there anything specifically i don't want to i want me going out triggering stuff do you know what i mean but at <laughs> the same time i want to still ask the questions that the I'm intre- interested about that. I think other people might be interested about that. People don't ask about stuff because, like, how else are we meant to learn if nobody asks? You know? Indeed. You know? Um, yeah. So, in regards to, like, you talked about your, your ex wife and stuff. Did, like, either your ex wife or any of your partners have you ever been in situations where they have got grief because of being with a disabled person?
1: I don't know if you'd call it grief, but it's usually the, oh, that's so nice, I'm so glad he's found somebody like you.
0: What? Wait, what? What?
1: And usually, I mean, like, my ex-wife, for instance, was a very snarky individual. Yeah. So she would usually shoot back with something off the wall. But other partners of mine have not been so kind of extroverted, if you will, enough to respond quickly like that. Okay. So that I always get the, does this always happen? Yes.
0: Yeah. Every time, every, every time. time.
1: And you know, I've dated non-disabled people and disabled people. And I think it actually happens more as an interabled couple, you know, dating a person without a disability, mm-hmm. you know, you see that either the person with a disability gets infantilized or the person who without a disability gets you know elevated to some sort of hero status for actually being with a person with a disability
0: like like it's some kind of like pity fuck do you know what i mean like yeah yeah w- is it so hard to believe that they could just be detracted to each other what is wrong with you people you know like wow wow because this is this is something that like i said i, I can imagine happens quite a lot because, like you say, it's the infantilized version of... It happens of
1: all the time.
0: A disabled person can't look after themselves. They need someone to do it. And look at this person. Oh, they've gone really out there for, for this other human being. Oh, bless them. They're such a saint. And it's like, no, they just they just like each other. They're just... Like, mm-hmm. they, it, it's okay. Like, that's, that, that's all right. So you say you've been with uh, other disabled people. Do you find that there was certain things that you that that were easier to understand with being with other disabled people or easier to connect with should we say
1: oh absolutely like um my most recent ex uh, has cerebral palsy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um i find it was much much easier to talk to broach and talk about the more sensitive subjects like about my health or her health or you know our own different, uh, functionality levels.
0: hmm Yeah, because I suppose- It's much, you, much easier. You've got a same sort of level playing field in regards to you've, you've both grown up with disabilities and it's easier to empathize with somebody that's had similar sure. sort of experiences, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. And it, it there's, granted, there's always going to be a level of, well, should I say this? Should I talk about it this way? but it was- it's much easier in my experience if I'm- if I'm dating someone with a dis- disability you know, that I can talk to- talk about them- or talk to them about things like that.
0: Okay, is there any- oh like, on that No, is there any advice you would give to either disabled people or people getting with disabled people in regards to, like, the dating scene, um, and- and being together? Yes. Please. Yes,
1: absolutely. Two two main things. Okay. One, be open-minded because you're probably going to learn something you never knew before and, you know, some of this stuff might be shocking, some of it might be a little, you know, awkward, but it's worth getting through. Second, be fucking honest. It's not hard. You know, I, I know people who, you know, if, if they're in an interabled relationship and something doesn't satisfy them they're just they don't say anything because oh i'm not gonna hurt his feelings i'm not gonna hurt her feelings
0: really talk be honest that happens in in every every dynamic that i have ever seen it's just mind-blowing the amount of people i'd say oh well i don't want to hurt their feelings you're gonna hurt them more by not saying something because eventually it'll come out and at that point it'll be why didn't you tell me before and i'd like a classic example, a friend of mine was in a um, a marriage like for 30 years? I should about 30 years. And um, she faked her orgasm all the time. She'd never had an orgasm with her partner because when they got together, she faked it. And then it got past the point of no return of being like, oh shit, uh, how do I explain to him that I don't orgasm all the fucking time because we've been together thirty years and I've never orgasm before it, it's like an ongoing lie of just constantly having to back that up and you're like like it's this... a
1: snowballing lie yeah. yeah it's just like what
0: what and the thing is they eventually broke them up because they like she was never satisfied in bed because he thought he was always doing and 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 the credit that like that I'm not saying that the fault is. The fault is on both parts. Like, she shouldn't have lied about constantly having orgasms because that meant that he was like, well, I don't need to keep looking for various different things to, to make her happy because I know that these things work. And it's just like, oh, come on now. Like, first of all, experiment always, forever, and always. Oh, yes. Because um, yeah, try everything twice because the first time it might hurt. That's like my ongoing, ongoing motto. But also, like, if you're, like you say, if you're not honest. Then everything just keeps going wrong <laughs> like like it just yeah. won't get any better if you don't be truthful
1: that's true and then to your to your point, you know experiment if with an interabled couple, experimentation is always going to be important mm-hmm. because like like I mentioned earlier, there are certain positions that I just can't do because my body just doesn't move that way yeah um so you got to find a kind of find workarounds to you know, hit those spots or, you know, keep that momentum going that will work for each person's individual physical
0: situation. Mm-hmm. And I, and do you know what? I I want to add to that, taking it from a point that you, you said earlier, is also realize that things will fuck up and, like, the, a, a disabled person isn't any, like, because I, I can imagine, and again, this is just my imagination, um is the idea of you get with somebody and something goes wrong, as things do in the in the coital engagement scenario, you know. Somebody gets cramp or you, you hit something at a wrong angle and something hurts, and then just that whole, Oh my god, are you okay? Are you alright? And it's just like, yeah, I'm just, I've got a cramp. Or like just, like, just the idea, just like that concept. Oh my god, you're disabled, I now need to look after you. Obviously, in a longer term relationship, probably not an issue because you know each other really, really well but if you're right if you're with somebody that's like never been with a disabled person before i feel like that is gonna be a thing in their brain they're because go- because in our brains society has taught us over and over again that oh well these disabled people they need extra care they need well no they don't they need what they need they, they need the same shit to be able to give them the same stuff that we do you know what i mean we need to get up to that floor. Well, we have some stairs. They need a ramp. Like, the, we, we, society has said that we're going to use stairs because we've got legs. Well, why can't we just change that for a ramp so that the people that, that have issues with their legs can do the same thing, you know? Ah, and it
1: shouldn't be a hard con- a hard concept. It, it really shouldn't.
0: It really shouldn't. It really shouldn't. And it's definitely something, and, and I have said I was saying this to you earlier, something that I've become more and more aware of, um, especially being a content creator, because I run fetish nights, I run um, thingies, is stuff that I have never even considered because I am not a disabled person. And as a result, it doesn't even enter my brain that I might need to ramp up these set of steps. And now, thanks to having such a diverse community, having um, people like yourself who are just like, here, I'm here to educate. Let's talk about these things. Let's talk about this, that, and the other. And I'm like, fucking let's go because I didn't even think about this stuff before. <laughs> I love this. Let, let's, please keep, keep giving me the information. And it's great because now we're working with um, a charity, like a local um, disability charity that do um, like events and stuff to to work with them to make sure that what we have is more available for everybody and ah i just like the more i learn it just it's weird and it seems like something that should be really evident but the more i learn the more amazing my life becomes because everyone gets more involved and the more accessible things are and and it's just ah it's mind-blowing it's mind-blowing and um, that's
1: that. That's the way I feel. Everybody should think, but then again, it takes you know a little bit. That little bit of effort sometimes strikes people as oh, that's too
0: much. But also, Why? it I think some of it also comes down to the idea of swallowing your pride, realizing yeah. that it's okay to be wrong, and being like, do you know what? I was wrong, and that's okay. It's all right to be wrong because by being wrong. I am now being taught the right way of doing things or the correct answers. And now I am a better person for it. And so people are like, no, I can't accept this. I can't be wrong. Heaven forfend. Good Lord. You're going to break down my societal bonds. God, what is wrong with you, you know? Um Indeed. I'm very conscious of time. So I'm going to crack onto some of the questions we've had from uh, the chat. So for those people that don't know, we record these live on Twitch. And uh, the wonderful chat. I've been using their uh, channel points in order to ask questions. Um, do you know of any resources out there for others with physical, visible, or non-visible disabilities when it comes to sex and the information surrounding that?
1: So, unfortunately, the resources that I've found have all been through either my own research or through doctors and therapists. Mm-hmm. But for those of us with disabilities, those of us, those of us disabled folks, talk to your doctors, seriously. Your doctors can be a wealth of information. There may be questions that you would never thought to ask like your family doctor, your general practitioner, ask. Always ask questions. Um, your, local, your local health departments can be a great resource as well. May take a little bit more prodding, but the, the information is there. Okay. But as for specific resources right now, nothing off the top of my head.
0: What I can say is, I've like, especially in in the preparation for this episode, I have been reaching out and looking to a whole load of different uh, content creators. There's a lot of people um on like uh, uh, on Twitter and Instagram who are people with disabilities who are pushing the sex education side of things and and the acceptance of the fact that disability disabled people are still people you know they don't look at them in any different way it's exactly the same scenario um so there are a bunch of that i can put a i'll make a list of them and uh put them in the discord for those people that are a member of the community and if i can um i will add it to the uh notes of the podcast itself so that people can access it if they're listening to this a future date. um Do you find that there are some kinks that you can't explore even though you want to, or do you manage to find some way to cover a lot of your interests?
1: Out of the ones that I've found that appeal to me, I'm usually able to find either direct routes or workarounds to explore them, Um, particularly in the BDSM communities. You know, there have to be some sort of accommodations made, For things like sex swings, it's not always easy for a person with a disability to get into one, Mm -hmm. especially if they have a mobility disability. Yeah. Um, And certain restraints are more difficult because some of us, you know, don't have the the same shape of limbs as other people do. Yeah. But there are always workarounds. It's just a matter of trial and error.
0: And and also imagination, I would say like don't be afraid to be like okay let's see where this goes and we can work on that and build it up from from a scratch or i definitely when i was a young teenager and finding out more about myself that my imagine my imagination went all over the place all kinds of diabolical machinations came (laughs) up in my brain you know um Have you found any sex and or BDSM situations slash positions slash experiences that have helped with your disability, e.g. pain relief?
1: You know, that's a very good question. And the only way I could probably answer that is, you know, having pleasurable pain inflicted on me allows me to focus on that rather than, say, the fact that my knees are killing me, or my back is killing me. Um, as far as positions, no, not really.
0: So it's like a uh, lots of diversion of it's pain. It's a lot of diversion,
1: yeah. yeah. But diversion to more of a controlled pain situation. Yeah. So, because we can specifically control the amounts of pain that we endure or inflict.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I get that. It's
1: more expected.
0: Yeah, I get that on on so many levels. Um, I know it's not the same for everyone, but if one were to be intimate with someone with a physical disability for the first time, do you have any do's and don'ts? For example, for trans people, make sure to ask for preferred terminology and such.
1: So do's and don'ts, definitely. Communication is a big one. Um, I would say... Is there anywhere that I that I can't touch you or that hurts if you are moved a certain way? Um, What are your levels of sensation like, especially if the person has, you know, like a neurological uh, issue? Um, How about joint flexibility? Are there positions that you prefer over others?
0: I'm gonna. It's, It's
1: important to open up those lines of communication and be specific.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm gonna push on that one as well. Uh health and safety first. Yes. Health and safety first. I mean it's something we talk about in uh, BDSM a health a lot and, and fetish and what have you. Um like if you're doing Shibari, which is Japanese rope bondage for those people that are not aware, um always have safety scissors around. So that you if you need to in a situation you can cut them out of the uh the rope and get everything sorted and fine and dandy. But I what I think that a lot of people may do is worry about worry about the appearance of certain things but at the end of the day health and safety first like make sure that everyone's safe make sure that everyone's okay and if something does go wrong like deal with it in the best possible uh, um, way and if that requires medical treatment that requires medical treatment do not be abashed by going and doing stuff do you know it's it's good to experiment but make sure you're, you're all safe you know um, yes. last one Any advice for how teachers can support their teens and young adult students? Um, Specifically, I mean, they haven't said it, but like specifically around um, sex education, but also um, on a wider approach as well.
1: Well, teachers specifically, I would encourage all teachers to talk amongst themselves and with their fellow teachers in their areas, their school districts, local governments about pushing for more inclusive sex ed. Mm -hmm. Because right now, it we seem to have like stalled out from sex ed in the seventies, which is ridiculous. It 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 needs to be, it needs to move forward and be far more inclusive than it is. Because like we talked about earlier, when I was in high school, it was, there was nothing for people with disabilities. No. But those resources are out there um, as far as teachers go, definitely push for your local school boards to get those resources added.
0: Yeah yeah, I love that. Um, cool well that that was that was the last question um that I was gonna answer. Somebody else has asked a question, but I'll deal with that in a second because uh, it's actually quite an interesting one that I want to explore. Um, which is, they said, what would you recommend for people with learning difficulties, specifically um, Asperger's um, or, or um, autism within that spectrum, you know, um, looking to learn about how to learn and start a relationship? What I will say about that one is I definitely want to do a an entire podcast episode on uh, people on the autistic spectrum, people with ADHD. I want to explore... Um, neurodiversity within the podcast as well, so we will be doing dedicated, um, like streams on them. We'll do be doing dedicated episodes. Is there anything, however, from your experience that you would like to throw out there? So,
1: I unfortunately have had limited uh, exposure to folks with autism, folks on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ex's son was is autistic, and you know my neighbor is on the spectrum as well. But as for building relationships like that, it would be disingenuous for me to give any kind of advice that I'm not familiar with.
0: Yeah. I think other than the advice that we've already given, which is honesty and communication, be open-minded, speak to each other, don't, don't, and be honest with, with each other. But like I said, we will be doing an entire episode um, on that because it's something that I, especially with having such a, an amazing neurodivergent community that we have, I would be really keen to explore that more. Um, so we will be doing a full episode on that as well. Um, but thank you so much, you beautiful individual. Um, ladies and gentlemen, and all gents outside I'm, in between. One true cripple. One true cripple, where can they find you? So
1: I'm on twi- uh, Twitter, TikTok, all is the one true cripple. Um, those of you who know me in the meat bag world, I have a public-facing, you know, uh, friends-only Facebook. Um, You can find my writings at popcultureuncovered.com. You know, if you have
0: questions about anything, hit me up on Twitter. Amazing, amazing. Thank you very much for putting yourself out there as well. And uh, as always, beautiful individuals, I've been Valen Vane. Vane by name, Vane by nature. You can find me on all of the social media sites at Valen Vane, um, pretty much. And this has been Thirsty Work, the home of hedonism. Um, thank you so much um, for, for being a part of this and, and um, also going with me on all of the, uh, the random tangents that we haven't <laughs> <to> sworn down <laughs> with this episode. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming and listening to Thirsty Work, you beautiful human beings.